All right, welcome to Diamond Talk Podcast. This is uh, episode three. My name is Marcus Ippolito. I'm the owner of In The Zone Academy. We are out in uh, Flanders, New Jersey, which is right in Morris County. Uh, for those of you that don't know the area, we're about 40 minutes directly west of Manhattan. And I am joined by Coach Taylor Barjaki, who's our general manager. He's assistant coach over at College St. Elizabeth. And Coach Jeff Fazerano, who is the head baseball varsity coach at Bernard's High School. And uh, Diamond Talk, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, we focus on the world of baseball and softball, mainly as it relates to the, uh, the players and the parents from youth to college, their supporters, as well as uh, coaches at all the varying levels, local leagues, club, high school, and collegiate. So uh, let's get right into it. Today's show, uh, we're going to have a couple great quick tips for you. And uh, one of them is going to be about uh, some infield work that you can do uh, at home. And want to help with balance and coordination. Uh, we're going to be touching on that a little bit today as well and some other topics. Uh, we're going to be talking about tryout preparation, high school tryouts coming up, and what coaches are looking for. And then some physical conditioning talk, uh, specifically on the core and uh, leg strength. So we're going to jump into one of our quick tips for today. Uh, a great infielder's drill. It's the step-step-touch uh, drill. It's one that doesn't require a lot of space, which is good. It could be done at home. Uh, it could be done without supervision, and it's one of these that we uh, we love to use as homework for players, and this one is a great example of that. It's simple to understand, it's simple to execute, and it's very effective. So the step-step touch drill, and Taylor, before you get into the drill, it's good for softball, baseball, all ages. Talk the, about it. The drill is geared toward both baseball and softball and can be done by players of all ages. We as coaches always preach to our players the idea of doing everything with a purpose, warming up with a purpose, swinging with a purpose, so on and so forth. This is a great drill to warm up and just to have a catch with a purpose. The drill is mainly geared toward infielders, but there is an outfield version as well. Same name, same idea, just a slightly different look to it. Uh, getting into it. So step one, step with the right foot, step with the left foot, tap the ground. That's step one, two, and three. Now the, the steps are going to vary depending on if you're a lefty or a righty. So a right-handed uh, infielder or outfielder would go right, left, tap. A left-handed infielder, like a first baseman or an outfielder, would go left, right, tap. And what that's doing is it's creating a triangle position with the glove and the feet. We're trying to conditional, uh, condition all of the players to get into this triangle position, we call it, so that the, the hands are out in front of the feet when they're fielding ground balls. Uh, it also helps them transition into their throw. It forces the player to get in an infield fielding position. Then we teach them how to transition out of that triangle position and into the throwing position. I love the basic movement of this drill, emphasizing the sitting into the triangle so they drop their rear ends and get their hands out in that sit and reach position. It can be varied by adding a ball, forcing them to pop to their feet through the transition, get to the power arm position, glove to target. We have a number of variations we can do of it. Yeah, this is... Uh you know, it didn't take a lot to explain this one for good reason. Uh, you know, I started by explaining that it is a very simple drill, but it's effective. We talk a lot about our Miyagi-style training here, where it is kind of a uh, very mundane exercise that physically may not make a lot of sense to some kids at first, but where it translates to the field is um, pretty evident. And so uh, we'll have a video, uh, a link to this video. So wherever you're finding our podcast, there'll be a link, you know, usually in the text there, but it'll also be on our website, which is Diamond Talk Show. Dot com. So I mentioned at the top of the episode about tryouts and preparation, and the next big tryout that's coming up uh, is high school tryout. So uh, in our part of the world, and I'm going to think in most parts of the country, 
uh, they generally follow a very similar schedule. So for us up here, March 6th, I believe, is the date this year, which is a, a Friday, and it's the first Friday in March, which is the kickoff of the high school tryout period. So, you know, by this time, most club teams have established their rosters. You know, colleges are, are have already started, and they're working. They're recruiting for 20 and beyond at this point. But, you know, regardless of the timing of when tryouts are, um, there's definitely some common denominators pretty much every level, and it comes um, – what it comes to when coaches are looking for, I think you're going to find a lot of commonalities there as well. But uh, Coach Fowles, why don't you, let's cut right to it. What's number one on your list? Well, uh, for us at Bernard's High, we do not have a tryout where we make cuts. We have a school no-cut policy, um, strengths and weaknesses of which could, we could probably handle on another podcast. Um, but <laughs> our numbers are such uh, in high school of around 800 kids for male varsity sports in the spring. We don't have the numbers that cuts make it necessary. Um, but our tryout period is more of an evaluation of who's ready to be a varsity athlete, compete on a higher level. Aside from skill and athleticism, which I think we're all hoping these kids bring to us, um, you know, baseball experience, baseball IQ, uh, hopefully our kids are athletes in uh, most senses. I think we know that our sport sometimes lends to some kids that might not be athletic, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we do what we can with that. <laughs> but I look for... I look for energy, I look for hustle, look for leadership. Kids who really get after things aggressively, push their workout partners, their position teammates. Really, kids you don't have to watch every minute to see if they're working. Yeah. Um, you can give them a set of drills to do. They do it to the best of their ability, best of their energy level, and it helps us manage practice a little bit better in that respect. Yeah. So look, you're, you're, probably, you're, you're definitely not alone in terms of small schools, uh, schools that may not have a no-cut policy. They can't cut because of the numbers, too, which is really what drives your no-cut policy, I'm sure. But there's still a sense of that you're trying out for something, right? So you're, you obviously want to make varsity, potentially. And if you make varsity, you want to start varsity, right? So there is a, essentially a form of a tryout there that they're going through with you. It's not just trying out to make the team. It's trying out to make a certain team, and it's trying out to be able to play on that team once you get it. And I'm sure they have to continue to earn it as the season progresses, right? Oh, no doubt. No yeah. doubt. So, so Taylor, what's your number one? Well, as a club team coach, you know, we do both individual and group tryouts. You know, the high schools are obviously only group tryouts, but in a group tryout, I look for players' attentiveness. I look to see how the players behave around other kids, how they interact uh, with others that they don't know or that they do know. Things like fooling around and goofing around and all that kind of stuff. You know, I want players to want to listen. I want them to learn, and I want them to get better, and it makes teaching them that much more enjoyable, and it always allows me to see the potential moving forward for that player, for you know, that group of players. Sure, yeah, definitely. And, and as a college coach, the tryout is much different compared to all the other levels. You're watching players over time uh, at games. You're, they're visiting your school. The recruiting process is essentially their tryout. So there's a degree of similarity. Uh, it just comes in stages. It's, it's sometimes it can be pretty impersonal. For high school players out there with eyes on the next level, what do you think the number one thing that you can tell them that you're looking for as a college coach? Well, this is a game of failure, right? I mean, you're going you're gonna to fail seven out of ten times and be a great hitter. I look for how players handle that failure and how they deal with it. A kid with a lot of talent doesn't fail often, and when they do, you know, that's when I start really watching. There's a ton of talent out there, but how players use their talent when they fail, that speaks volumes to me. It's uh, There's always another guy with just as much or even more talent than you, so you have to really look at you know, your deficiencies and kind of and just make your adjustments from there. And that's what I want to see is how these kids adjust, whether it's their next at bat or if they're going out there to play defense or you know, if they're on the mound and a guy strikes out to end the inning. 
and he's got to go out and throw the next pitch. Like, you know, you got to be able to handle that failure with uh, with some success. Yeah, dealing with failure at any level is critical. Even at the young level, some of the things that you need to teach them is how to handle that, that piece and watch them grow hopefully forward from that. Makes it much easier as they become a middle schooler or a high school or a college athlete. But it's true in any sport. Um, the problem with baseball is that these failures are more readily seen, more readily evaluated, um, and in your head. Yeah. A player that can process what just happened, reflect, quickly move on, uh, is a critical piece for us. We need that energy redirected to deal with the next pitch, play, or root on the next guy. Can't dwell on it, personalize it too long. We can't always be a therapist as a coach. We have to trust that our players can move on, adjust, continue to be a disciplined performer. There has to be a next pitch mentality in everything that we do. You will hear me say it a lot. Uh, my phrase is next pitch, mm. next pitch. I say it to my pitchers, I say it to my hitters, I say it to my defensive guys when they, they make, make a mistake. Next pitch. Yeah, yeah. It's not not about what you just did. It's about what you're going to do next, right? So, last three or four months, I've probably talked to thirty or forty college coaches. You know, throughout the year, every year, I'll talk to upwards of fifty, sixty coaches at varying events and showcase events on the phone, through text, through email. I find, I try to find at least a time to get a question to them um, in terms of what the first couple things they're looking at when they're recruiting uh, a player. So their tryout process, again, this is about trying out. So for the players that are listening or the parents of players, this is pretty important. One out of every two coaches, I mean, seriously, 50% of them are telling me that they're watching the kids before they even make it to the field. I've heard this so many times. Uh, One coach went as far as telling me that he's watching the kid walk up with the parents, and he wants to see who's taking the bag out of the car, who's carrying the bag, but one of the most interesting things I heard him talk about is he's looking at the actual expression on the kids and the parents' faces in the parking lot because that's the tell about how they're interacting with each other. And he said he will learn more about that kid and the family behind him in three minutes of that walk-up than he will on that field after the game. Absolutely. That, that to me, is the X factor. You know, I need to see how they interact. If a kid, is, if a kid has a bad game and is disrespectful, disrespectful to his parents – or has a great game and is a real jerk to his parents, that raises a red flag for me. Uh, you know, I want kids and, you know, to all you kids and out there, just be humble. Accept your successes and accept your failures and move with them and just, whether it's good or bad, you just move on to the next one. Like Coach says, next pitch. There's always another pitch coming. Humility is huge. Respect is huge. A big uh, enforcer of discipline and really believe in discipline as a human being. I think it goes overlooked. Um, Discipline as a family member, discipline, discipline as a student, uh, as an employee, as a player. And that goes hand-in-hand hand with your expectations of yourselves and others. Don't have mom or dad carry your bag. Don't expect people to do things for you, to hand things to you. Make the effort yourself. Put in the time. Put in the work. If you believe in something and you really want to achieve something, take the time to take care of that business. Good stuff. you know. And uh, hopefully people out there pay heed to this. It's, it's some great advice here, and we certainly uh, – you know, we're here for you. If you have any questions about the recruiting process, we've got a great staff here, uh, including Coach Taylor and Coach Falzerano. And you can reach us at diamondtalkshow at gmail.com with any questions or any comments about that. So let's talk about some uh, another quick tip here, which is the single-leg 90-degree hop drill. So we are really lucky to have Coach Falzerano here. He runs a, a boot camp for us here in the zone for baseball and softball players. Undoubtedly, it's one of our most popular sessions, and maybe more for the parents because they got to watch their kids come out of there red-faced and sweating and, and huffing and puffing. But 
that is a, is a true sign that it's working. You know, most of these things that you see out there, you'll see speed and agility. You'll see strength and conditioning. We are and ho- have always been a big proponent of balance and coordination and dynamics uh, as a big part of the athletic development of players. So, Coach Fowles, before you get into your quick tip, can you talk a little bit about the importance of balance, coordination, dynamics in baseball and softball? Absolutely. Uh, to, to back up just a little bit, I, I agree with you. I think it's probably more popular to the parents than it is to the kids. Um, one, one of these days, I'd love to get the parents in there yeah. <laughs> instead of looking in the window yeah. and watching what's going on. But uh, we definitely lose sight of the importance of uh, explosiveness and balance within the sport of baseball and softball. Um, every aspect of the sport presents some aspect of a dynamic balance and explosiveness. And I use the, the phrase dynamic because it's never really static. It's the aspect of we hit a balance point but we're moving, we're always moving in some particular aspect of it. When a pitcher gets over the rubber, that balance is temporary and he's moving toward the plate pretty quickly. Balance is really important though, in, in regards to accuracy. When a hitter loads, he or she's coiling in motion to move and explode forward into the ball, but must maintain a dynamic balance so as not to lunge or to pull off the hitting plane. While this drill is meant to develop some of the leg strength and explosiveness, the balance, to train the lower half, and to learn a little bit about deceleration teach your body how to decelerate and uh, hopefully effectively and protect the legs in that respect. So you begin by facing forward on one foot with the other foot up in the air, uh, like on a 90 degree would work best. The individual then jumps back on a 90 degree angle away from the foot that is on the ground. So if you're on your left foot, you jump back to the right. If you're on your right foot, you jump back to the left. You jump as far as you can and you rotate your body to now face the direction while sticking the landing on the other foot. So in that process, you're trying to explode as far as you can back to that side, stick that landing, pause for a second, and then you repeat the process, jumping back in the other direction. So you're facing forward once, then you're facing either to the right or left, then you're facing forward again. Mm-hmm. It's always forward to you because of the direction you've gone. But the idea is to get that explosive push, work on that foot sticking and holding that uh, that landing. Now you can do this for repetitions. You could do it for time. We use it in the boot camp. We do a 30 second interval and then rest for 30 um, as we move into another exercise. You could also do some variations of it. You, instead of going on a complete uh, 90 degree turn, you can just go side to side and stick those landings. Anything that works on any aspect of the landing and that explosiveness. The thing about the 90 degree turn is it gets that transverse motion going and gets those hips opened up and gets the hips doing a little bit more than you might typically do on just a side-to-side. Yeah, yeah explosiveness, uh, explosiveness and rotation and balance, they're all key aspects of both offense and defense, uh, inclusive of pitching. So the more that we can teach players how to correctly use and understand the bodies, the better off the player will be in any sport they participate in, basketball, soccer. So how long are you doing the actual drill? You know, so you're, you're changing directions, right? About how long should that last before you take a – a breath. Well, I would either do it for about 10 reps or okay. for about 30 seconds, okay. um, one or the other, depending on what you're doing. If you're incorporating it in a, a whole lower body and core workout and you're trying to get some some cardio going at the same time, like we do with the boot camp, yeah. we do it for 30-second intervals, 30 seconds off, and then move on to another exercise. But it could very easily be done in a repetition aspect of things when you're, you're doing squats or right. some other lower body. So as a out-of-shape parent of a player, I can <laughs> see why... Uh, it's better to watch than to do in this particular case. <laughs> so let's uh, move on. Look, we're going to stay a bit on topic here. So it is uh, a theme, uh, at least for the back half of this, which is a little bit of talking about physical conditioning and uh, the core and leg strength. It's pretty clear that 
that there's a high importance of this uh, within baseball and softball. And I'm pretty sure that every sport's best athletes have a strong core and lower half. So tennis, golf, and football, and soccer, I can go on. Uh, but you get the idea, I'm sure. Baseball and softball use the arms so much. I think it's very easy to see how parents and players may not fully grasp why the core and lower body are so critical and crucial to what they're trying to accomplish. The, most of the action you see is the arms, the arms swinging and the arms throwing and the arms catching. Uh, but the power and, and, every, and all of the success lies in every other part of the body. So, Jeff, why don't you talk a little bit about the, the core and the lower half? Well, I think I heard somebody say, I, I don't want to, I'm quoting someone, I'm not really sure who it was, but some time back who referenced the idea that an athlete needs to have a good foundation before he or she can build a house. And you should talk about the backside and how that was someone's foundation. And we've noticed uh, some of the professional athletes, the majority of professional athletes, have that foundation, which is huge. Our power comes from the ground up. Everything we do is from the ground up. And we need to have that strength and that stability in that lower half beginning from the core down. Or we go the reverse way from the ground up, right, through our, through our calves and, and legs up. You can't throw hard or hit with exit velocity without such, nor can you decelerate your body when hitting or throwing without a strong lower half and core. If you cannot decelerate, then you will have less success and might even get hurt. With the addition of proper mechanics added along with that strength and stability, that makes the potential for something that is great. Yeah, I mean, core, core strength will give players not only uh, better hitting results, but also pitching and throwing results, period. Getting players to commit to developing that is another big thing. It is hard, you know, it is hard work that you need to be consistent with. Some of my favorite exercises are different types of planks. Uh, the two big ones I use are elbow planks and hand or, or hand plank positions. And you know, for those of you guys that don't know, a hand plank position is just a, a player or somebody standing in a or sitting in a push-up type position. Uh, you know, the player's focus is on contracting their stomach muscles, and you can do a couple different variations of it, you know, just from simply lifting your left or your right foot or, you know, if you just switch between the elbow planks and the hand planks. That utilizes different, you know, a little bit more of your obliques. It gets you a little bit more aware of your upper body, or you could just flat out just roll to the side and then elbow plank on side plank. It's, that, that'll then target the obliques, and you do all three of those in conjunction with each other. It's a, it's a good recipe for success. Yeah, so, so Fowles, you do uh, a lot of core and leg work in the boot camps uh, that you run, and I'm sure that a lot of these can be done at home. Uh, it sounds like it, these are those type of exercises. Oh, absolutely. You can do this workout without a gym. You don't need any weight for anything. Uh, anything that we do with our legs, we can do body weight, and anything that we do for our core, same thing. You know, to, to build upon what Taylor just said, the, the planks are fantastic. Side planks are the toughest things for some of these kids to do. They don't know really how to get their elbow underneath their shoulder. They start to feel shoulder pain or they start to collapse their hips a little bit. And I try to work on a variety of things with some rotational with that too, where they can be in a, in a side plank and pretend they're reaching underneath themselves and grabbing a ball off the ground and then reaching up to the sky. Or you can actually put a ball there and, and help with that. But it, it, additionally, the the push-up plank that you talked about is pretty cool too, because there's so many other, there's so many variations. You can walk into a, an elbow plank, up mm -hmm. to a push-up plank. You can really put some pressure on one. You can do some shoulder stability too by pushing in with your hand into the floor and doing a shoulder touch, yeah. which is really a cool ec exercise because it forces them to stabilize everything. Then their shoulders getting stabilized as well, yeah. and it's working the shoulder. And kids don't really realize how much they can do with just their body. They think they got to throw weight around and be good. And, um, 
there's a variety of guys. I think it's Zach Deshan. I'm quoting a guy from, uh, I want to say, Texas Christian somewhere. I think it's TCU somewhere down there. He's one of the, the strength conditioning guys there. He, he talks about, and I hope I have the right place and the right guy, but he, t- he talks about <laughs> he talks about movement over We'll over fact Mac. check it. Yeah. He does movement over maxes. That's what he talks about, the idea that you're going to do a variety of things without throwing a lot of weight around. So everything that I try to incorporate in the boot camp is all without body weight, with just body weight, with no other, no other weights. Um, and I even incorporate some of this stuff in a fitness segment of my, my practices. We may, have a, we may do it as a group. We may do it as uh, a, a station within our hitting plane or, or, or uh, what have you, a variety of different things we can do. Yeah, and just by using the body weight stuff, it definitely increases mobility and flexibility. You know, I don't think a lot of people realize that a swing, there's a lot of flexibility you need to have in your body. You have to be able to have your upper body and your lower body essentially separate from each other and move in opposite directions in order to increase bat speed and, and whip and, and, you know, and, and positive rotational movement like there's a whole bunch of different things that go into it where flexibility is a lot of the time overlooked and it's it goes outside of simple hey we're going to take our left arm across our bodies and stretch and our right arm we're going to go up over our head right it just adds another form to that and with that with with, to add upon your point with the with the push-up plank it allows more of a full body type workout rather than just the core like you said it gets shoulders but it also gets your back, it gets your arms, it gets your wrist strength up. Like there's a lot that goes into just a simple push-up movement and people don't really realize how difficult it is until they actually get into it. All right, so we're going to uh, wrap up today's episode talking uh, a little bit about some hitters preparation, which is some overload and underload work that hitters will do. They'll uh, they'll start with a heavy bat and then they'll move on to a lighter bat, a wiffle ball bat generally. And then after that, they're picking up their regular bat. So it's some, some interesting prep that you're going go to go through before you go ahead and start taking your swings off of the tee or off of a front toss. Yeah, so there's a couple different reasons why you would do it. The two main reasons as to why uh, I like to do it is because it trains the first pro- – the first one is because it trains the two different types of muscle fibers you have. Uh, the heavy bat trains the – trains the the bigger muscles the more explosive muscles that provide you with more strength and the uh, so with the slow twitch muscles and then the light bat trains the fast twitch muscle fibers so it's essentially teaching you how to swing faster by swinging faster right so you go through the movements and the reason it's a light bat in terms of wiffle ball bat is because it still gives you the feel of a baseball bat it's a long stick that you're swinging it's just really really light you're able to swing it you're able to swing it at a really fast pace the, with the overload aspect, like I said, it just really starts to get the body more aware of what it's doing. Uh, one of the things that I really harp on with my hitters is that it forces you to feel your body, your lower body shifting into the ball to create that good balance and or to get the good weight transfer. And then it forces you to get your body balanced quickly. And you do that by getting your lower half rotated. You get that back foot, that back hip in position so it keeps the body centered. Another reason why, so it affects the body, number one. Number two, it affects the bat speed. So a lot of the time I'll just I'll just have actually hitters put those the, the, the older, old school, like red ones or the blue ones that are like 16 ounces, and I'll have them put them on. The donuts? Yeah, the donuts. I'll have them put them on either their bat, or I've been using a wood bat here so it doesn't damage their bats, but it also gives them that wood bat type feel. 
So then it's a super heavy bat that they're now having to control the bat head going through the hitting zone. And I do that with nine-year-olds that I train here, and I do that with my college guys at, at our college practices on a regular basis. I feel that if you're able to get used to swinging a heavier bat at the normal, at the normal length, uh, it's only going to optimize and get you quicker results or faster results in your bat speeds. Yeah, they also have like five-ounce weights you can put on the handle of a bat for that. Um, it, it's very similar to training speed, Olympic speed. Olympic uh, track athletes, you know, you, you take them in a weight room, they take their, those guys in a weight room, they do squats, they throw some weights on and get stronger, and then they do bounding and explosive right. stuff like that for the right. fast twitch to help themselves get faster. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons I incorporate some of that stuff in the, in the boot camp. But we, I was just watching MLB Network <laughs> yesterday, and as Jim Tomei and Sean Casey were going through a variety of drills that they would go through in spring training. The idea of staying closed, just working the other way a lot mm -hmm. before they start working on really opening up, trying to train the front side. Casey was talking about using a heavy bat first, taking some swings, taking his regular bat next, taking some mm -hmm. swings, and then going to a fungo. Oh, mm -hmm. a fungo yeah, blast. I like that. So he would, he would progress from heavy to normal to, to light, light and really working on bat control. And there's some aspect to swinging different size bats just like throwing different size balls to train yourself accuracy when you're throwing you might use a softball as opposed to a tennis ball mm -hmm. teaching your body to adjust and control itself same thing happens with the bat you start to teach yourself to control your your body in in swinging those different sized yeah. we weapons so sure. to speak you have to be able to control your body that's the if you want to be a decent hitter, you have to know what your body's doing and how to control it. The great hitters will be able to manipulate their body from there. So completely unscripted question here for either of you. How does the core play into to this swing? You want to go first? Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. Well, our hips lead our hands. I, it was funny. When I first started coaching baseball, I had that conversation with someone. Which goes first? Hips or hands? And somebody's like, well, for it to be best, they have to be together. I'm like, well, not really. Mm -hmm. Your hips lead first, just like they do when you throw. They, they start to open, and what helps that coil is to keep that, uh, those hands back and the, and the upper body still square to the plate, and then the hands go with that upper body. So the core is a huge piece of that. It's stretched. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's elasticity is helping a little bit with that pull. And then as it pulls through, let's say I'm early. Well, let's say uh, this guy, I thought it was a fastball, and he just threw me a Uncle Charlie, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> My, I got to keep my hands back, so I got I have to be able to decelerate my front side so that I don't go flying out mm -hmm. and allow my hands to stay back so I can still do something with that pitch. Right. You have something in your tank left. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, if you go online and you just – there's a great video that I teach and I show to all my hitters. It's uh, Josh Donaldson's sports science video. And what it talks about is it breaks down his swing into five individual steps, and one of the main steps is – him separating his hands from his lower body and getting his weight shifted and his back hip rotated so that his hands can follow. And they talk about this thing called peak angular velocity and how by stretching that, it accelerates your body. And you can't do that with a weak core. You can't keep your hands back from your lower half if you have a weak core. So that's what we were talking about earlier. It adds that elasticity, that flexibility to your body so that if you get fooled on an off-speed pitch, you're still able to keep your hands in a good, strong, and assertive hitting position. You're still able to do some damage. Yeah, and we've got uh, – we'll include a video link as well of, uh, you know, one of the players here 
uh, recently doing some uh, overload and underweight swings. And it's just a quick progression. He's uh, got the heavy bat. He's got the wiffle ball bat. Uh, then he moves on to uh, the bat with the donut on it, mm -hmm. I believe. And then yep. he finishes off uh, swinging at the regular one. So great stuff there. Tied in a couple things to that last drill, especially talking about the core and some of the physicality of being a good baseball or softball players. And there's a great example of where it translates on the field. Hey, so that's going to be a wrap for this week's episode of Diamond Talk on behalf of uh, Coach Falzerano, Coach Taylor. We are real thankful that you tuned in. And uh, don't forget to follow us on social channels. We're at uh, Diamond Talk Show. So that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and online at diamondtalkshow.com. Uh, the videos for the uh, quick tips uh, will come uh, shortly online after the episode goes live. So once again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, look out for our next episode, and we'll see you on the diamond.